Good morning, this is Dan, and you are listening to Danger Dan's Talk Shop. Oh man, what a great show we've got today. I recorded this with Patrick Garvin at JMP Cycles headquarters in Sturgis, South Dakota, at the end of Sturgis. And it was, my voice is just barely hanging on. We had just seen Sublime the night before, Limp Biscuit the night before that. Uh, it was straight up fucking Sturgis 1999. And, you know, I'm always stoked to be able to sit down with Patrick. He's like, he's probably my favorite biker in Sturgis for sure. Like, builds and rides everything. And he also records it, and it's on the YouTube. So you can check him out online at the JP Cycles YouTube channel. He's always building crazy shit. And uh, you're going to enjoy this podcast. Let's get into it. This show, like all shows, is brought to you by MC Shop Tees, your T-shirt of the month club, the only way to support every local motorcycle shop. Each month, we send out a custom one-off printed shirt to every subscriber with a postcard telling you about the shops, where they're located, and what they specialize in. We've got men's sizes, women's sizes, and kids' sizes. Yeah, what's this month's shop is Performance Plus Cycles Out of I think it's Ponca, Ponca City, Oklahoma. And um, a guy named Clayton runs the spot there. The place has been in business since 1984. Dude, that's 38 years. It's a long time. It's pretty rad that they still got that operation going. And uh, if you weren't a subscriber already, you're not going to get one. So make sure you sign up now. If you get signed up before the end of September... Next month's featured shop is Lead Sled Customs. Now, Pat Patterson has been a staple in this community for a long time, and I'm stoked to be a friend of his. And, you know, the time I've gotten to spend up with him has just, like, it's been fucking awesome. And I've barely survived it every time, and I fucking love it. So really stoked to get to feature him. You know, their shop does everything from make wheels to frames to springers. He just released a new product that's like an internal throttle that he's been using on his bikes he's been building for years, and now he's going to offer it for, you know, the public to buy, which is rad. Uh, He's an innovative dude. He manufactures parts for other people as well. His shop is fucking killer. Um, You know, the first shop he had was, it was just like machines crammed in this shop with like, there would be a machine that was on the in the basement, but you would operate it from the second floor, and they just had like the floor cut out. And how they how they were able to take the machines out of that building without tearing the whole building down, I have no clue. But now he's got an old barn across the street that he encased with a giant shop. So he's got like a hundred year old barn that he built a giant metal building around, and it's super fucking rad. It's uh, in Dayton, Ohio. Yeah, and I'm probably going to see, am I going to see Pat before the year's over? Surely, surely I'll see him somewhere. Uh, but Big Meese, uh, part of the crew, he's just a tattoo artist, an artist. Uh, he fucking travels around the world teaching people how to draw letters. Uh, I've traveled 
to a couple places on this planet with him. And he is a fucking, he is a character. And the artwork that he did for this shirt is really fucking sick. And I can't thank you enough, Mies. So you do have a couple of days to get signed up to catch that shirt. So mcshoptees.com. Thank you, fellas. Um, we got some shows coming up. We got a couple of really big shows. Rat Rodtober is happening in McKinney. If you're in the Metroplex and you own a Rat Rod, you already know about it, and that's where you'll be. If you're not in the Metroplex, you should get here for that event. Brown Cycles is donating two bikes to raffle off so that they can, uh, you know, give a, they're going to give a bunch of money to vets with nets, which is super fucking rad. And... I'm just getting on here real quick to make sure that I tell you the right date exactly. Rat Rod Tober is sun, Saturday, October 14th at Tubbs Brewery. And it's a party. The people that put this on are fucking professionals. They really are professionals. And it's a fuck, it's just a ton of fun. I think my sister's MCing. Yeah, she's gonna have the microphone. She's gonna be making fun of all the bikes. All the cars, it's gonna be awesome. So go to Rat Rodtober on the internet or Brown Cycles to learn more about this. The next weekend is Born Free Texas at Yellow Rose Canyon, October 19th through the 22nd. Me and Lee Bullock are putting on an art show where we're like gonna have a bunch of sweet art, right? That we've invited people from all over the country. It's called Prince Paints and Steel. The art party will start friday night um to, to go follow yellow rose canyon born free show for more information because they got a ton of information they're doing things differently than last year they're streamlining the entire entrance process so that nobody gets stuck out waiting at the gate and um yeah you guys are going to be stoked it's going to be a fucking party can't wait to see you there now um let's get into this podcast with patrick garvin JP Cycles. Oh, we can't do that yet. Because I haven't told you about Patreon, dude. You got to go to DangerDanceTalkShop.com. There's a Patreon support link where you can donate five bucks a month to win a bunch of cool stuff, dude. I got a $100 gift card for Lowbrow Customs on giveaway this month. And for every $5 you spend from now till the end of the year, uh, you get a chance at winning a trip to... You get a chance at winning an expedition thanks to Motorcycle Sherpa. Wow. Wow. Uh, yeah, Motorcycle Sherpa is fucking amazing. I'm going back to Nepal in November, and um, I, I don't know that there's any spots in that trip left. You, could, you can definitely go there and try and sign up. There might be one left. But we're going to give away a trip to somebody at the end of this year. So go sign up on Patreon, DangerDanceTalkShop.com. And, uh, man, it's going to be sweet. Lowbrow Customs. Speaking of lowbrow, on the way to the Indian Larry Block Party, we stopped by. And uh, the boys showed up early on the bikes. <coughs> Me and Al had the choppers on the truck. And uh, the guys needed belts, chains. Like, they needed all sorts of shit. And they, <laughs> I swear, they said... When they pulled up, they just, like, turned the bikes off, and they heard somebody walk up to the door and lock it. And I'm like, well, of course they did. Look at you fucking heathens, man. Uh, but then they ended up, you know, coming outside, helping them out, getting the parts that they needed. 
and uh, you know, even brought them inside. I think might have even offered them some water. They were very hospitable. Uh, I want to thank you guys a ton for that. Uh, Low Brass supports me, and they sometimes they even support my friends here. You know, hooked them up with belts and chains. I mean, they you know there was a they paid for them. They wouldn't like to go up there and get some free shit, but uh, it was rad. You know, it's cool to be able to stop by and see the progress that you know that they've got going on. They they got it going on up there. So check them out, lowbrowcustoms.com. And then um, all right, now. We can get into this pod. Oh, shit. No, we can't, man. Fake out again because today's guest was in Brooklyn. And if you were not in Brooklyn, you fucked up. That was the craziest party ever. I had no idea I was going to like the city so much. Like, I mean, I, I do like riding around in big fucking cities. But I like riding through them, you know? Like, I always never stop much and stay. But this one... We showed up Thursday night, me and Al, and it was fucking, the ride into Brooklyn was crazy. Coming down from this Catskills, Palisades Interstate, just drops you right out in the, in the middle of the fucking city. And then we were, I think it was almost fucking rush hour when we got there. It was fucking wild. And uh, the party was sick. The whole crew there at Indian Larry uh, shop was, they were just fucking so awesome. Got a good tour from John the Painter, how they manufacture everything from the frames to the handlebar risers. I mean, just, it was really fucking cool. We got treated so well. Uh, we got some good food. Brian Helm took us to the fucking craziest bars ever. I got to meet a guy named Sal who had the coolest fucking FXR ever. It was good. It was so fucking good. Um, the stun riders came. Okay, at one point, let me show you paint this picture for you there's a, a stripper pole in the middle of a parking lot the parking lot is filled with hundreds of people on this stripper pole you got one girl up top just hanging on by her fucking legs two girls down below like fucking waiting it you know all dancing around while sea bear is doing a fucking burnout like fucking donut around this stripper pole some dude comes out and just starts fucking making it rain dollar bills on these girls. Sea Bear doesn't let up, dude. He's now he's just doing a burnout and throwing fucking dollar bills around, just burning them up. The girls are dancing, everybody's screaming. Fucking smoke show like I'd never seen it before. It was fucking amazing. So now we can get into this podcast. Dude, Here's Patrick Garvin. It's good to see you too, man. I uh, I was stoked when you pulled up yesterday. <laughs> uh yeah, the show is, dude, fucking, we went to Sublime last night. Dude, really? And Limp Biscuit the night before. Isn't that weird how, like, are we just old? That, I think we're, like, we're finally hitting this yeah. this uh, this point where we are, you know, the, they're bringing back that music yeah. and it's landing. It's like when yeah. they do the retro bikes, they're landing, you know? It's yeah, like, yeah. oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, who, man, I was talking to somebody about, like, a movie the other day, and their kid had never seen this movie that you thought, like, Everybody, Everybody had, seen. had seen. You're like, wait, what? What? My friend's girlfriend. Yeah. Didn't know who Limp Biscuit was. Ouch. And I was just like, oh, that hurts. Whoa. That, that pains me. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Are we that now? Like, is like the Limp Biscuit? Like, you know. I mean, how, how old are you? Forty-seven. Forty-seven. I'm thirty-eight. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, we are. We fucking are. We're yeah. The, we're the old dudes. It's like I remember when Aerosmith came here years ago. It's like 
that the Limp Bizkit is our Aerosmith, which oh. is kind of a sad thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, dude. Fred Durst really fucking Fred killed Durst, it. Yeah, totally. I heard it was good. Uh, yeah, it really was. I mean, he played break stuff. Actually, at first he was like, "I'm not going to play break stuff." Yeah. Woody specifically asked me not to play break stuff, which is a pretty like. You know, that's believable. I watched that documentary. <laughs> yeah, oh. that's believable. <laughs> I kept telling people at Full Throttle, I'm like, this place is going to be really busy next year after we burn down the buffalo chip tonight. <laughs> it was funny. So I had watched, like, you know, some of the stories come through, everybody having a good time, and then I bumped into you guys and Brady and the Led Sled guys and Brad Gregory the next day, and oh. you guys were saying, oh, it was a great show, great show, great. And that's only feedback I got. So then my wife's friends who are... Locals, but not, you know, bikers. Okay. They're like, oh, we heard there was like a riot at the end. And I'm like, that's funny. None of my friends <laughs> anything about anything. <laughs> so I think it was just business as usual. Yeah. And they're like, the normies were like, oh my God, it's a riot, which is funny to me. Yeah, but yeah I didn't. Funny. I didn't hear there was a riot. I mean, like, uh, it, he ended with break stuff. Hey, but I would be disappointed if he did. Oh, yeah. But then he just, that, that was it. Just mic drop. And then mic drop, gone. Perfect. No fucking, and the crowd didn't even, like, I thought they didn't, uh, they didn't even ask for an encore. Yeah. Because I think he wore us all out during break stuff. That's great. We were all fucking, oh, yeah, we're old. We can't fucking <laughs> mosh for that long. <laughs> Everybody's gassed. Everybody, no cardio in the, the mosh pit. <laughs> he did the best I've ever seen of communicating to the crowd. And like energizing the people with the motorcycles, like conducting them, you know? Dude, that's awesome. And I love that. I mean, Which that's is, one of those things I used to hate. Fuck, they're revving up their motorcycles again. Now I'm like, yeah. I love it. Like, where else? Well, it's so, yeah, where else is that gonna happen? And for him to catch on to that with the crowd so quick and like, because there's been acts I've, I've seen out there that literally stopped and were like, what the fuck? What is, is going on? Yeah. Yeah. Yo, well, him, I was kind of shocked that they, I mean, that those bikes were in there, you know, like, like, break stuff, if I'd have been standing next to a street glide, the ferry probably would have been fucked up. Yeah, kick it you know, over. Like, <laughs> I jumped up on the golf cart in front of me, you yeah. know? It started fucking jumping around on it. And the guy who owned the golf cart threw me into the crowd. I mean, just straight. <laughs> Knocked me off. I'm on my back in the mud, which I deserved every bit of it, you know? But also I was he, just glad my guys didn't beat him up, you know? Right, I mean, but he also brought a golf cart into the middle of break stuff, so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I told him ahead of time, I was like, when he plays break stuff, just start honking your horn and drive this all the way to the front. Yeah. Because if you don't, I'm going to jump on top of this thing. <laughs> <laughs> but if you do, I'll follow you to the front. We'll be nice. Uh, it was good, though. You yeah. Know, I've, I've never been so excited about, you know, an act. They had, they've had some, like, I mean, really brilliant calls on, like, I th you know, Damon, I think, rounds up the bands at the chip. Okay. And really good calls in the last couple of years on... They're big acts, you know, with like Snoop Dogg, and of course Kid Rock always hits out here. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, good call from from him to, to bring them. And then Sublime, so that was it. Yeah. Uh, the Outlaw Square. Oh, really? Yeah. So. It was, oh, I did see that. It was like it was just a great setting, you know. Those guys at Outlaw Square do a good job. They do a good job, like kind of throughout the year with concerts there, non rally. Really? Time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. What's Bobby, the guy that runs that place? Bobby Rock. Yeah, I believe it's <clears> the uh, name. You know, I did a show there Saturday and Sunday, and they were fucking great. You know, Saturday was a little wet, kind of sure. tough time for a pool party, but, yeah. you know, the past two pool parties I've been to this week have been wet and raining. We've had more rain out here than I can remember. Uh, Somebody told me in Wyoming that they've got 250% more rain this year than they have in the last 10 years. 
It's about right, and we all had a heavy snow year out here, which we normally get a lot of snow. <clears throat> we had even heavier snow, so the snow melt saturates the ground, you know, but we had so much rain. I've probably ridden about half as much off-road as I did last year, just because of mud and Dude, rain. Mud out here is slick as fuck. If you're not on the rocky yeah. stuff, it's... Yeah, so it's like this <clears throat> kind of silt that gets wet, and it turns into this very slimy, and if it's deep, it just sucks you down. If it's not deep, it's like a layer on top that's like grease. Yeah. It'll get you. Dude, I wiped out last night in oh, oh, yeah. Magic Mike's fucking electric bike, dude. He's got electric bike? Ass through the chi- oh, it's sweet. <clears throat> I mean, it's a little bicycle. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, Those things fly. Dude, it's perfect out there because the people don't move. They don't hear you coming. Oh, exactly. Can't so hear like you. on a bike, yeah. a motorcycle, they hear you move and yeah, people do dumb off. shit. On this thing, you're just flying by and they don't hear you coming. <laughs> They're just like, whoa. You know, perfect for zigzagging through traffic out there. That's awesome. But yeah, but I wiped out good in the mud. Oh, look, the mud here will get you. We, uh, <clears throat> so I found a road that you may already know about, the Cheyenne River Road. Do you know this one? It's not ringing a bell. So when you're cutting, when you're coming over to Newcastle, mm-hmm. or if you're going west from Newcastle, it goes south and then runs parallel to that highway. Okay. And it's a dirt gravel road. Okay, I know where you're at. It goes through the mountains, or not mountains, but goes through those plains. Yeah, yeah. And it is fucking really? sweet. Yeah. I don't think I've been on it. I know right what you're talking about. Yeah, though. we were, uh, me and Nick, so uh, let me just back up. Me, Nick Farringer. Do you know Nick Farringer? Name sounds familiar, but I'm not putting a face His for dad, Carl Farringer, started Cycle Electric. Oh, cycle yes, electric of course, Cycle Electric, ago. yeah. Both yeah, I use phenomenal their stuff all the time. dirt bike yep. riders. Uh, Nick's like a, I mean, he's probably one of the best dirt bike riders I know on the planet. That's awesome. <clears throat> he was he was racing with Graham Jarvis last year in Romania. Ooh, that's a pretty big deal. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So me, him, Jake Hines from Prism Supply, and Matt Best, I think is his name, and then Brad Richards, all rode Pan America's up from New Mexico, doing the top of the New Mexico BDR, all the Colorado BDR, and the shitty part of the Wyoming BDRs. You the bottom part, yeah. yeah. You don't want to do the southern part. Yeah. <laughs> it was good. Uh, it was good. It, the, it worked out perfect. Just go straight to the Bighorns. Go to 10 Sleep and run it from the bottom up. But also, no, there's some parts of that up there in the Bighorns that get like, I mean, you need to have shit together. Yeah, so yeah. one of the gnarlier spots in the Colorado BDR, we ran into these dudes on Tenerace. I think it's Hagerman Pass. Oh, yeah. Which is a great one, but it's like, yeah, yeah. you know, it's got those baby head rocks. So yep. I mean, you got to watch your lines because mm-hmm. you can fuck some shit up. Anyways, these guys are like, oh, man, you know, it gets real technical up there because we're just at the bottom fixing to crest over it. Like, it gets real technical up there. Make sure that you guys, you know, pick your lines wisely with those big bikes and just know that this is how a lot of the Wyoming BDR is. That's what he said. Okay. And it was, but the funniest part about that was uh, that we take off from these teniers. Tenerays, whatever yeah. the fuck you call them, and we just blitz the trail like five <laughs> lanes, five dudes wide on this technical <laughs> shit. I'm sure they were like, "What the fuck?" That's great, dude. Oh, dude, we had so much fun. The group really like, you know, came together, and we had every bit. Uh, you know, we had Nick with us, and then Matt, who hadn't really ridden much dirt, you know, in years. Yeah. Uh, you know, and everything in between, me and Jake and Brad. And it all worked together, you know? That's like, awesome. Nick tamed down. Matt got, like, really fucking good, really fucking quick. Picked it up. Yeah, I was yep. like, holy shit. I just barely made it through there, and Matt's right on my tail. That's so, great. Sometimes yeah. you're better off not knowing what you don't know. Well, I think just seeing other people yeah. do it right That's there in huge. front of you, you know? Like, yep. 
Well, I know this bike can go through there because they all just did it. I've noticed that a, a lot. I'd get on Adventure Fest with people that show up, and we've had like, I remember a guy, not this year, but last year, younger guy, um, fresh out of the Marines, Tenere, and on a moderate route right away, like, like ate it in like a deep puddle and a couple other things, but was so, he was awesome. He picked the bike up and he'd, he'd be like, why, why'd that happen to me? You know what I mean? And just yeah. want to fix it. And then dude, by, I mean, by the second day he was ripping. That's awesome. So it's, but again, you're with people and you're just seeing them go through it. Also having people around you, it's a little better. I ride by myself like you do a lot. Yeah. You approach things a lot differently when you're by yourself than you do if there's people around. So it's nice to have people around and people that know how to get through it. Same thing when, you know, I was riding with, uh, this year, get on Adventure Fest, Zach Quartz and um, David from Biltwell, who just shreds, and he was on a... I still have not met David yet. Great guy. I don't think I have anyone. Great guy, rides very well, yeah. especially ADV bikes. So what kind of people show up to ADV Fest? Is it people that are, like, out there doing that shit already and then want to come meet other people, or is it people that are, like, you know, want to, and that's, like, a good stepping stone for them? It's a wide range, but I would say what we found, so I do, um, with you know, with, with the Rever guys, all of like the trail scouting here and setting up the trails and then everybody comes out and we kind of fine-tune those the week going in uh-huh. but what we found was the first the first get on adventure fest we did we were like concentrating on what we call the hard or the a routes like we got to get these you know and like we figured out like most people that come to this let's say 20 percent are going to ride the hard routes okay most people are going to ride the moderates and then the easies and we have a wide range if you've never ridden dirt before on your ADV bike, you could come to ADV Fest. Definitely, I guarantee you'd get through the easies and by within two days, we'd have you on moderates. And the other thing we do is we try to progressively make the routes a little more difficult going throughout the week. So the moderate you ride on, that we release on day one, mm-hmm. is going to be much easier than the moderate at the end of the week. Oh, okay. So like we even try to ramp up the, the difficulty via easy, moderate, and hard. But to get back to the question, I would say most people want to ride come out and do the moderates the dudes that are like super duper you know hardcore they're, they're pretty well versed mm-hmm. and a lot of those guys don't is much my opinion they're not gonna kind of really gravitate a lot to that event because like we know you know what i mean like the, the great thing about adv fest is like if you want to come and not worry about having to food not worry about having a place to camp not worry about like because everything's taken care of for you it's like yeah. a total you can just turn your brain off and not have to worry about any of the surrounding stuff. Well, the guys that are like super duper hardcore, they're kind of dialed like that, right? Like if I go somewhere, you go somewhere, you know, you know how you're going to get food, you know, you know, it doesn't really, you, yeah, don't yeah. even think about don't it. Even, yeah. So like, it's a great event for people that you just want to show up and like only have to like worry about How much riding. does that go into it? Like how much are you guys like, like, cause like when I did this trip, <clears throat> you know, Nick, it can, he can write anything, right? Mm-hmm. So like I wanted to like, I wanted him to appreciate where we were at. Yeah. We're like not, it's like, we're not doing this because it's more difficult, it's the harder route, or this right. is the model. Like, we just want to get through these places together and like yes. experience this form of riding it with, that comes along with camping, yeah. right? You know, yep. waking up in the morning and digging a hole, yep. right? You know, like yeah, exactly. all those things. And like, you know, and doing it with some friends to to share the experience with. And that's why people come to get on Adventure Fest, and I think that's the thing we concentrate on the most, which is why, again, why I think the moderate routes are the most well-traveled is because you're going to, like, the, it's motorcycles. The first, number one thing should be having fun. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you're on one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, like, the moderate is fun with, like, spots in it that are going to challenge people. But, I mean, like, 
most folks don't want to suffer all day long. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like hardcore ADV guys and enduro guys, let's face it, they want to suffer. They want to go to a place. I, mean, not even, like, I think the hardcore ADV guy is, is not, a, not like that. They will take the easier route over the harder route when they're fucking 3,000 miles right. from home. You know, like, right. it's not, a, it's like, definitely. but you also may get to a point where you got to do some really fucking hard shit because. Yeah, I mean, you want to, no like, the, the guys that are going to want to ride the hard stuff, they want to be challenged. They want that little bit of suffering, and you can get that. Yeah. But most folks, you want to have, you don't want to challenge yourself a little bit. You don't want to worry about falling off a cliff and dying, but you do want to do some rocky climbs and see yeah. that you're, you know, challenge yourself, push your skills a little bit. Yeah, especially yeah. while there is people around. You Definitely. Know? Help pick your bike up or like, you know, you're not going to be stranded. The other thing about the Black Hills is it's not like, that's the difficulty about making the routes, right? There's a shitload of trails here. It's not like you get consistency through the trail. So like, it's a spaghetti bowl of trails that most of the time <laughs> I'm linking together. Yeah. So like, you may run down a gravel road and then it'll hit some two track. And then the next thing you know, we're on single track to a gnarly rocky climb. But then you might go back to like a gravel road to somewhere else, sometimes hop on a paved road to link a trail. So it's not like you're just gonna be, uh, this route is moderate from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. There's gonna be a you know five miles of pavement in it here, but then there's gonna be a rocky climb where it might take us all 30 minutes to get up. You know, like <laughs> <laughs> it kind of ebbs and flows, which makes it fun. I like it because I kind of build routes naturally that way because that's how I like to ride. Like if I do something that's very hard or like, you know, kicks my ass for 20 minutes, I want to drop out on a two-track and cruise for a minute. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. before I get back into it. So, kind of like the up and down style style routes is what you see. Did you, did, uh, was there a bunch of Pan Americas this year? <clears throat> yes, and, and. What kind of riders are on the Pan America? Is it, honestly. Is it dudes who have street glides in their uh, garage, or is it like adventure by, maybe they had a GS before? Can you um, tell? Yeah, I can tell. I've talked to a handful of them, and a lot of them, I did talk to a guy, literally, because he was asking me about tires. He's a Harley guy, you know, forever, had a Rogue Glide, I think, bought a Pan American, came to Adventure Fest, but he had street tires on it. So he was asking, like, hey, if I do a moderate, are these tires going to get me there? I'm like, well, you, I always say, you can ride any bike anywhere, just tell them how much time you got. You know what I mean? I was like, I would put at least a 50-50 on it, which he did, Mm -hmm. and which is great. another great thing at Adventure Fest, like, we have tire manufacturers there, and we have people to change tires if you want. So there is those guys. Honestly, I see when I'm, this is huge kudos to Harley Davidson. I see a lot of new off-road riders that are getting on Pan Americans because I think Harley's outreach has been so well with Pan American. And again, they were they're they get on Adventure Fest with I mean, twenty Pan Americans doing demo rides at least. Yeah. So I think 22. they're yeah. I was just guessing twenty, but there you go. Um, I think a lot, a lot of the Pan America riders I see are new, new to the dirt scene, a lot of younger riders, which is great, which is phenomenal job by Harley. So I would say if I had to say what I've seen most, it's new. It's new people to dirt. It's younger people. There are the guys that have the road glides that bought the Pan American <coughs> yeah. that, are, that are coming out, but I'd say I'd see more new people, which is, I mean, really cool. It is. Yeah. You know, I've been seeing them around uh, more and more just on the road. I've yet to run into one off the road. Like, I'll be so stoked when I run into some <laughs> random dude on a Pan America, on a BDR or something yeah. like that. You know, I think you. I think you'll probably get get that sooner than later. I think it's coming. Yeah. You know, we were just talking about David. David is like a long time dirt bike rider, ADV guy. When he, what did he sell to get his Pan American? He had an Africa Twin. He had something else. Anyway, he picked up his Pan American. I'm gonna say the numbers wrong. 
but he put something like 18,000 miles on it in like 13 months, which finished, he, he, he did the Alaska trip with him, mm -hmm. and he rode his personal one up there and back, and then he sold it when he got back, partially because I think that Alaska trip, what it does to motorcycles, you might not want to hang on to that <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> But he put a ton, and he is super hardcore with his. So yeah. he was, honestly, you and him were the ones that kind of sold me on the functionality of yeah. the Pan American. Because I'd seen what you guys did with them, and I was like, I okay, mean, it's real. <clears throat> like, do you, I don't really have any <clears throat> major complaints. Uh, you know, I, there's things I'm going to do to make mine better. Everybody. But like, exactly. Yeah. Like, for the fucking 99% of people will not have the same problems I've had, you know? Right. You know, I have, I have a K90, uh, KTM 890 Adventure R, which I love. I've ridden, man, almost all of the contenders in, like, the middleweight adventure category. Okay, so those are ones I ha I've not ridden any of those. Oh, I've ridden almost everything just because of my job and, like, yeah. what I'm exposed to. And we have, you know, I took a trip last year on a Triumph 900, a Tiger 900 Rally. Yeah. Great bike. Um, I don't think it's as capable. I mean, it's, it's capable is different. It depends on who's hands the bike in, right? Yeah. For me, the I, I gravitated to the one that was basically most like a dirt bike. Yep. And I looked at, I came down to the Tenere and the 890, which big price difference there. And then I know a bunch of dudes with Tenere's. Yeah. And I know Bjorn from Rever. I mean, dude is animal, animal, animal on a bike, and has a has a Tenere. But I know like I think three or four guys with him now. Ed Zubius, all of them have set the suspension out. So you're buying like lower price point. So you're probably if you're really going to ride it off road for a long time. You know those guys sent their suspension out to get done like my suspension on my 890 is real good yeah. i mean it's not like the 890 rallies where it has like the, the six thousand dollar cone all that but it's by far and away more than capable for me so it came down to the tenere of the 890 i do not regret my purchase at all um just because that one was the most dirt bike like you have to ride it and it's just like riding a big old dirt bike yeah. i mean yeah well that's what uh <clears throat> nick the guy who rode this he you know, he races a Sherco, 300 two-stroke. Yeah. But he had fucking 990 or he had the old carbureted. It was mm -hmm. no, no computer. It was their first bigger. Yeah, yeah. I think it was a 990, yeah. And uh, he loved it. You know, it was just a giant dirt mm -hmm. bike. But, you know, loading it down and going down the highway, you know. Was, yeah. He, he did a trip. Uh, it was, fuck, what was it? Uh, bikes. Oh. Um, Whatever it was, his, him and some dudes strapped mountain bikes to the back yeah, of their cool. adventure bikes and rode around Colorado. <laughs> that's friggin' awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought, like, you know, my bike's great on the road. It's, I mean, it has cruise control. I mean, what more can you ask it does, for? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's great on the road. But I did like when I took the trip to Idaho on the, on the Tiger, it was better, more like creature conference on the, conference on the road, I thought. But I mean, I wrote an article a long time ago. I had never even swung a leg over an adventure bike until 2019. And I rode Zach Parham's, uh, he had an F850 GS. Okay. And I rode it from uh, Dallas, the Fort Worth area, up here in September. And I barely even hit just small sections of the Colorado BDR. It had 90-10 tires on it. Basically, it had street tires on it. Yeah. So, but the one thing I, and I wrote an article, which I don't even know if, it, it wasn't one of my, like, more well-known articles, but it was, like, why adventure bikes are better baggers than a bagger. <laughs> so like if you I love that sounds exactly yeah. like something you cried. Yeah, yeah, if you never if, if you never took an adventure bike even on a gravel road. In my opinion, it's a better bagger than a bagger. So like 
the adventure bike luggage, the hard luggage especially, which I wouldn't have on mine, because if you go off-road, you don't really want the hard luggage, because it's a good way to spin yourself around on a tree. Um, you, you've seen how close I got luggage to trees on your bike. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. That's right. But like the, the, the luggage systems are awesome. They're actually way more functional than a regular bagger. They're easier to get on and off. The bike's seating position, you know, it's very neutral and comfortable. I mean, short of a radio, I would say, I mean, heated grips and cruise. And like, if you need to go jump over a curb or go off something, they're just really good, like just touring bikes, in my yeah. opinion. So I wrote that article and I was like, this is... That's really what kind of got me interested. And then I started riding more dirt on my dirt bikes and eventually last year bought my first adventure bike. But somebody even asked me here this week. I didn't even let them finish their sentence because they, I think it was one of the Dunlop guys because they see me riding four or five different bikes this week. My FXR and like my adventure bike. And he goes, if you had to pick just one, I was like the adventure bike. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. If you're gonna make, if I can only ride one bike. Easy. It, yep, easy. It's not even like a question. Yeah. Like I love, like I just built that little chopper. Love it, love my FXR. But if I can only have one, like I'm never, at this point in my life, I'm never going to want to ride down a, a paved road, see a trail or a gravel road and not be able to, to go there. That just would twist yeah. me up. Like, I, because I, now I'm just like, oh shit, I'll go check that out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just ride over there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> well, the get on, I'm glad that you guys are doing that. I mean, I think that's one of the biggest things that's going to help out those people that you were talking mm -hmm. about, the new riders, is like learning to use those bikes in a way that'll get them to the places, you know, that they yeah. can't get on the other bikes, you know? <clears throat> that's the best part. That that's the biggest, you know, besides all those creature comforts you talked yeah. about. Just being able to get out there and go to places that you couldn't go before is yeah, and, really I mean, awesome. You don't need to spend, you know, sixteen, nineteen thousand $19,000 on an adventure bike either. I mean, you'd buy a, a you know, a Honda XR650 or a KLR, a Kawasaki KLR, you can pick them things up cheap, man. Yeah. Big old air-cooled thumpers. They'll get down the road. They'll go. And dudes ride them things around the world. Mm -hmm. But they've been doing it for a long time. Yeah, for a long time they've been doing that. So it's just that's my preferred way to ride a motorcycle yeah. now. Have you uh, read Jupiter's Travels? Uh huh. You should do that. All right, I'll read that. It's fucking good. It, uh, yeah. Supposedly that's the book that inspired Ewan McGregor to do Long Way Around. Oh, nice. Uh, the guy's a writer, first and foremost. He like writes for a newspaper or something, and then decides to. Buy a motorcycle and do around the world. That's trip. cool. So he's for like I say, he's more of a rider. And then like the way he explains all the things that like it's crazy when I read it. I'm like, holy shit! I've had these exact very relatable. We all kind of have like, like the same kind of experiences in a different way on the road. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And he just he communicates them really, really well. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, there really is. I mean, it sounds so cliche to say, but there's nothing like motorcycle travel. I think solo motorcycle travel even better i'm not a big I, mean, I do devil stone every year which is about 300 people but we break up into small groups yeah i don't know man it's just it's hard to put into words but like just being able to go <coughs> wherever you want do whatever you, you know, stop when you want hang out when you want i i tend to go look for you know trails and dirt roads and stuff mm -hmm. like that it's just an awesome experience. it is it's awesome the, the when you say solo travels better I've, I've somehow been doing this new thing where like i'm doing it with a group but still the same, you know, I've, I got to figure out how to get a cohesiveness with the group yeah. to where it's tough. So like, that's one thing that I work on before the trips is like managing expectations as I call that's it. That's huge. You know, and setting everybody up uh, so that it does. Like there's yeah. a lot of, they may, not, they may not realize it, but I'm doing a lot of work ahead of time yeah. to like prepare everybody for 
I think that's gonna very happen. smart. Um, and picking the right people. I know huge. Brady McLean and I are, are buddies, and like I've traveled all over the place with Brady. It's a you know there's a couple of guys from Sheridan that we've traveled with, and it's a non-issue. I mean, even uh, we've talked about you know Joe Sparrow. Yeah. Yeah, I've traveled with Joe. Like that, he's a great travel guy. You know what I mean? He's done yeah. literally a million miles on a motorcycle. So I think picking your travel partners right is is huge. It can make or break an experience. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the last few ones I've done have been great. The one, <laughs> okay, maybe not. I mean, it was great, <laughs> but when we went to Mexico, you, you know, there's a, I always like to convince everybody that I am leading the group, you know? <laughs> what really is happening is like, I'm just listening to the group and making decisions based on yeah. everybody, you know? Instead of like letting people think or talk about it, it's yeah. like, I'll, I'll just make the decisions happen. But I wasn't doing a very good job at one point. Met, or, uh, Kickstart Mike fucking broke down, just started yelling at me. <laughs> I never want to come back to Mexico. I hate this, Dan. I never want to follow you again. Oh, gosh. Sometimes you just got to break down, though. Sometimes that's what you got to get it out. And that ended up being great for everybody. You know, like just yeah. I mean, but that's some emotions. And that's type two fun, though, right? Like, there's fun where you're like, oh, this is so much fun. And there's fun, like, after it's over, it's like, that was pretty great. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> it takes a while. Yeah, it, take, yeah, it sometimes takes a while. takes a minute. Oh, we had a couple days out there. We were riding up here where, well, I guess once we got to, the weather was perfect the whole time through Colorado. I mean. That's awesome. Sleeping outside under the stars, under a tarp. It would, you know, we'd get a little shower in the evening, knock down the dust. Yep. Uh, we were camping in the most, you know, that Colorado BDR is like Dude. riding through a fucking postcard. Dude, that, I mean, of all the BDR, they haven't ridden all of them, but like that one I think would be hard to beat as far as like stem to stern, top to bottom. It's tough. It, it's so, everything's so awesome. Yeah. I mean, everything yeah. from the views to the camping availability, yeah. to the terrain. And it changes a lot from bottom to top. It's fucking, you get every piece yep. of, you know, I really hope that, not that I will be disappointed, but I hope that, you know, the other ones are at least showcasing the state the best that they can, you know? Yeah, I mean. As well as Colorado does for itself. Yeah, I, it, props to the BDR people for making those routes too. I mean, yeah, that's not absolutely. easy. That's not easy. Yeah. I would like to, and so there's, I mean, I'm sure somebody's already way ahead of me on this, but now you could basically ride from, I think you can actually, you can go from Mexico to Canada on BDRs now. They kind of link, you know what I mean? From well, the New Mexico the link, one. They have the links on them now. Oh, do they? Okay, there you go. So like that. <clears throat> but they're not dirt. Uh, they almost like, because I, I put more dirt on our routes because I knew of more dirt. Okay, that's good. But their linkers yeah. are just get on concrete, go to the next one. Mm. <clears throat> but either way, which some people that's nice, you know what I mean. Get them yeah. back on the on the concrete. Yeah, well, it's like you said earlier. You know, after yeah. doing some early shit, like yeah, sometimes you just nice you to, just yeah. did the whole state of Colorado on dirt. You can ride the concrete yeah. and be yeah, okay with no it problem. for a little bit. Yeah. Give me a chance to enjoy your accomplishment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we we definitely celebrated at the end of the Colorado with a bunch of rain, uh, so <laughs> much rain in Wyoming, so much rain. One of the coolest parts was like. We're going, and it's raining, and I can tell that everybody's like, you know. Yeah. Can we just stop? A little over day? it, yeah. You know, like we've been camping for days, maybe tonight, maybe it's time for a hotel. And we waited till the last day of the trip, the last day of Colorado, to go by one of those green cross places, you know. Oh, uh, nice. <laughs> we all had yeah. some edibles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The rain hits, and 
you know, we get dispersed. But okay, this one section we're going, and we're like in an aspen cove, yeah, kind of. But it's like other trees as well. And then up ahead, you can see where it turns to just aspens. Yeah. And then that's where the rain is just like, just like a wall. A wall, dude. It was like breaking into another dimension. <laughs> Me and Nick are up there just like pumping fists. You know, we're just like stoked about it. You know, because you, you can tell when somebody else isn't having a good right, time. Right, right. They're like, they're, they're like God damn it. Better. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then <clears throat> something happened. Oh, we got ahead of them. I pulled off to the side of the road, uh, but I was too far off the road. And then Jake flew by flew us. By and then, and then uh, you know, we all got separated. And the rain just kept coming down. So I was like, all right, fuck it. Let's, we, got, we found a place of phone service. We set up a tarp on the side of the road, made some coffee, sat in the chairs, waited for the guys to like get to where they had phone service, and and finally I was like, all right, fuck it. Jake was in town already. I was like, find us a place with a hot tub. Nice. We're, we're getting there a hotel go. tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And dude, he found a place called Saratoga Hot Springs Resort. I think I might know where that's at. It's are in you, Saratoga. Are you? Yeah. And there's like fucking teepees over the hot tub, hot yeah. springs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a big hot springs pool. Yep. In hotel rooms, in a bar, brewery, and food. Yep. <clears throat> it was so great. <laughs> <laughs> there was a laundromat down the road. Oh, laundry even? That's great. Oh, yeah. Dry so your stuff out. Good. And we uh, we partied hard in one of those teepees, so hard that they had to close it down the next day. Fucking had to like drain it and power wash it. <laughs> yeah, the hazmat symbol on your we TV. We didn't bother like taking baths before we got yeah, in the hot yeah. tub. So. <laughs> it was good, you know. It was uh, it was really cool how everything came together and happened, you know. Dude, those are awesome trips. Like you said, tough to do those on road bikes. So, which BDRs have you done? Hardly any. I've done a bunch of parts of the Wyoming one. I've done a bunch of parts now of the Colorado BDR and. Oh, I hit a little bit of the one in New Mexico, but that's yeah, about it. Yeah. I, I have a good buddy of mine, uh, Ken Norris, who lives up in Oregon, and I owe him a trip up there. And he's been, I'm sure he's done all of that one probably multiple times. There's one in Oregon? Uh, or, yeah, there's one in Oregon now, I think. Yeah. It, or it's new. Maybe I'm thinking of the one in Washington. Anyways, I want to go up to that part of the country. Uh, I've never, that's. I've never ridden my anything through Washington. Yeah. It looks beautiful from the same. That, that's what I want to go. So I've never been in Alaska, Hawaii, or <coughs> Washington. Yeah. So like, I really want to go up that way. I think Nevada would be a good one too. I think so too. That's a sleeper kind of state for outdoor stuff. I know. Yeah, people just think we of it as like talking about it now. Yeah. It's a good point. Because <laughs> <laughs> it really does have everything. Yeah. You know, Moscow Pete. He's been doing oh, a lot yeah. of riding out there, and he's been finding some wicked spots. Yeah. I love it when people are like, "Where is this?" It's like, mm -hmm. yeah, that's. He's a good follow, man. They're good for that. Like they He's seem a like great follow. Those those guys seem like a cool little company. I have one of their tank bags. Well, everything they make, I've seen. Yeah, is, it's top notch. Yeah, and then they again, I like it because they put out a lot of just good usable information. Even if you never bought anything from them, like if you follow them, there's a lot of good tips. And they and they ride. Like there's something about supporting companies that actually ride motorcycles and get out there and, yeah. and do it. You're like, oh, you understand yeah, what down I go in through. Chile and Patagonia, like. Right after I finished my oh, trip really? down there, yeah. That's cool. It was cool seeing his perspective, you know. Like yeah. Bringing up memories from... Dude, it was so wild down there in Chile, like where he was at. <clears throat> There's this road that goes down the bottom half of Chile. 
which would be comparatively like Alaska, like Canada and Alaska. They gave away a lot of land in Chile years ago at mm. the bottom because you couldn't get to it very easy. Okay. And so they just wanted people down there. But you had to like go into Argentina. There was no like passage from through Chile to get to the bottom of Chile. You had to go in Argentina. Because of mountain ranges or? Mountain ranges yeah. and lakes and rivers. Real gnarly mountains there. It was there. just yeah. fucking, the terrain was just gnarly. Yeah. So there was a horse trail for a long time. Anyways, that is, the horse trail is now somewhat paved, you know, for the most part. But it goes all the way to the bottom, and it is fucking gorgeous. And the, and the amenities along the way are... Oh, really? It's just set up for travel. There was people from all over the world on bicycles. Oh, wow. Oh, that's where I met the most Americans. Oh, really? We're on bicycles at the, in Patagonia in Chile, riding with all their camping gear. They got the sweetest campgrounds. There's fucking just little cabins in all the little towns. Weather-wise, is there like times you shouldn't go? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like Alaska. Yeah, okay. So you got to hit, <laughs> hit a window, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a... Uh, you know, because it's almost as far down from the equator as yeah. Alaska. Yeah, it's a long way. I know. That's that's a fairly decent-sized country. It's a real big country. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a real long country. Argentina is obviously bigger. Uh, but they're, like, you know, the top of Chile has the, Ata, what is it, the Atacama, Atacama Desert. You know, some oh, of the really? the driest deserts in the world. Whoa. Biggest driest desert in the world. How is it, like, as far as... Um, Border crossing, political stuff, like tough, easy? Easy. Easy, okay. Yeah, so once you get to Chile and Argentina, you cross the border so many times. Like I. You're back and forth, back and forth. Okay. Back and forth. Uh, I did it more than you needed to, but you, you have to do it just to go to. Take I know some of your South American travels were not easy border crossings. Central America. Central America, okay. That's where it was. That's tough. where it was. South that, America that was sense. a lot easier. Okay. You know that what I mean? That makes sense. When I went to Ecuador, that was a little fucked up because they were like, I didn't realize it at the time. They were like, why the fuck are you entering Ecuador? Right. They're protesting. Yeah. I thought it was like finishing up. Yeah, they were. But no, most of South America was just fine. It was, uh, you know, and it wasn't like money grabs from the state or from, you know, the briber, you know, like. Yeah, it wasn't quite as outlaw. It was a little more structured. Yeah, when it wasn't, and even though, even that, like it wasn't, it seemed like some of the payments in Central America or even probably in America and Mexico. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, just, we're charging you money just for the infrastructure of us having to do this. Down there, it was like, we are setting up these jobs and buildings at the borders just to, you know, to know what's going on. We're not asking you for money right. to pay for this. You know, we just want to collect the information. Like one of the one of the border crossings, uh, where it was oh yeah, when you go from Santiago, Chile, to Mendoza, you're going over the Andes Mountains. I mean, it's fucking huge. That's big. It's huge, and you get to the the border crossing. It's this giant fucking facility. It's like a, and you pull into the parking garage. You're in line forever. There's tons of fucking people, and uh, it was just a, I mean a huge operation, huge operation. Hmm. And the taxing is really weird down there. So, like, getting stuff in Argentina. <clears throat> yeah, this so Argentina is set up for people to buy shit made in Argentina. Smart. It is. But they don't make tires in Argentina. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, 
It's very difficult to get tires. Oh wow! In Argentina, and you pay a lot of money for them. Mm. Which, you know, I think what they're I think it's a great idea. Like you said, like yeah, it's set up to incentivize. Yeah, and maybe they're they're keeping it like that because they want to incentivize Metzler to go down there and to make have a, tires. Put right? a factory in Argentina because I think Corona is now going to go down there and make beers because oh interesting. You know they know. Yeah, and if you went out on that, I mean if you. If there was a way to set up a tire manufacturer in Argentina, well, you'd, you'd be you'd be the guys. You'd probably make a decent amount of scratch. You'd, yeah. be, you'd be the number one tire company probably shortly after. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, was, uh, it was interesting. You know, the politics of of all the countries and, like, hearing the perspectives from the people was very interesting. But one of the biggest take-homes was they're all experiencing the same shit we are. That's you cool. Know? I mean, and they're shocked to hear that I think that. They're like, you mean your politicians are corrupt? <laughs> like, they're shocked, they, you know, because they're yeah. also like, they like, you know, just like we would love to believe that there is a country doing it right and there is no corruption. No. Like, that that's a possibility. Our politicians are just better at marketing than yours. That's exactly right. <laughs> they're all cro- crooked. The yeah, ones here they, are just they, better they, at we marketing. We conceal it better or yeah. it's just not called corruption. You right, know? yeah. Oh, it's just a donation. Yeah, they're just, like, they're just better marketers. It's yeah. pretty, uh, it's interesting, you know? They all, their dollar's just not going as far. Inflation sure. is a real thing. Uh, they need workers. With like, literally, like, all the little things we got going on here. Same, yeah. But, and everybody also thought it was unique to them. Yeah, Like, each country didn't think the other country, not just America, but, like, I don't know. It was interesting. Yeah, I mean, the, the people are people. So you're all gonna kind of get to the same spots. I mean, they're like they're bad people are still gonna be corrupt. Hardworking people are still gonna work hard. Yeah. I mean, so it's, I, I can see why they're gonna have the same same issues all, all across the world, kind of thing. And I think that Argentina. One thing I loved about them is they seem to be like more modern um, sociologically, mm. like. Uh, like the the woke movement is be, they're beyond that. Like they're yeah. beyond. Well, I think, I think with some of that comes, um, we, in America specifically, and probably other you know, more developed countries, we things are so much easier for us that we take for granted. Mm-hmm. You tend to fixate on problems that aren't problems. If you actually have real issues like. That's Feed, a great point. Feeding yourself and making sure you have shelter and like real issues where you well, have like to, like liberties for everybody. Right. Like so, like they had their civil rights movement was like two hundred years ago. Right. So there is no like. Yeah. So I, I think if you have you know, if you can throw something in a microwave and cook it and eat it real quick, you're less. You don't even think about that anymore. But if you would say had to go get your food somewhere, build a fire, and cook it, that takes up more part of your day. You have less time to be like, well, this person wronged me with a microaggression. Yeah, I want you to <laughs> refer to me as. Right, yeah. They're not worried about what you, th- you, no, know, you think I of agree. them. So like, I, like when, to a, at a certain point societally, when everything is so easy and so convenient and you can dial up food deliveries on your phone and shit like that, you, you kind of look outside the realm of, you know, reality to create issues to be offended by when if you have something to do or some real real issues to deal with in your life, you're not worried about that bullshit. 
Well, and I think that's what was interesting about you know seeing that down there. Like they had, they were all they were past that, but yet they thought that uh, you know like their dollar doesn't work as well elsewhere, right? Like sure, it's, uh, it's not worth as much. And I think it has a lot to do with what they prioritize. It's like mm. their way of life is like on the daily. Let's cook food together. More community and, oriented. And drink together. Yeah. Like that's more important than making money. Yeah. Well, no wonder your dollar isn't worth that much because that's not, not how your the focus. rest of the world operates. That's so not like, your focus. Yeah. You know, it, yeah, it's not a great thing if you want to travel to America, but the way that they live on a, the daily is, you know, it seems well, way my, more. Uh, you know, I have a 19 year old son. Yeah. And you know, he's working up at a ranch in Montana, and I. He, Beautiful place. And he makes pretty good money for, especially for as young as he is. But we were talking about it. And we, you know, he's talking about where he wants to go, what he wants to do, and they just hired him on full time up there. But we have these talks about quality of life. Mm -hmm. And so I think in America, and you know, sometimes you just can't get around this because this is how our system is set up is like quality of life is equaled by X amount of dollars. Well, the only reason it's like that is because those X amount of dollars allow you to do the things that really make quality of life, right? Yeah. So if your quality of life in Argentina is determined by your community, and we live in this beautiful place, and as long as everybody's got plenty to eat and a good place to you know, stay and exist, that's really what quality of life is. I, so I was talking to my kid, like, makes pretty good money where it's at, but it's a beautiful situation where he's at in the, in the mountains up there in Montana. And I was like, well, if you did leave there, let's say, and he's graduated from college last year, and you went somewhere not as nice as the mountains of Montana, let's say, but you were making three times as much money you weren't riding a horse every day. You're behind a desk. You're behind a desk. You're making a shit pile of money in, I don't want to shit on any specific place, but like, <laughs> say you're in a big city somewhere San and you're, Diego. yeah, you're, you're in a, yeah, you're, <laughs> let's shit on San Diego. You're in a, you know, a big, you're in a big city where you're making three times as much money. Your rent's doubled and you have to like, you're in this rat race. You had to commute every day to work. You had an hour there, hour back. You're working all day long, but you make a bunch of money. Well, you're going to take that money you spend, and then you're going to go pay for the experience you're already getting right now for nothing. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you may make a third of the amount of money, but you're in Montana riding a horse every day, looking at the mountains, fly fishing on the weekends. Like, so the quality of life those people have you know, in Argentina or Chile, that's what people pay for here to go on vacation to experience. Know. You know what I mean? So like, yeah. like, what is quality of life? I don't. I think it's and rightfully so in some ways. It's so tied to a monetization here in America. I mean, I think people look past that. You can have a good quality of life and not necessarily have to make a ton of money if you're in the right place doing the right things. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, I want to live in a place where people go for vacation. Yeah, that's why I live here. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah, people good. come here to ride dirt bikes. Yeah, so do I. I just happen to like have a house here. Yeah, like I live here. I just yeah, I'm lucky. Yeah, which is yeah, I consider myself very lucky. Well, uh, see, so you you been making videos this year. Yeah. Uh, what what's the, what have been the latest ones? Latest one is the Gold Digger build. We did we did a little hardtail Sportster build with lead sled frame and some invaders. Uh, and that's the latest it turned one. Turned out fucking beautiful. I saw it yesterday. Yeah. Rip going down the fucking track strip. Dude, this dirt Shout drag is so to much fun. Shout out the lead sled customs Goddamn. dirt yeah. drags, dude. I mean, again, that's what I mean. Uh, you know, cruiser events can be like you know parking lot, you know stand around fest. 
And I, the guys like Ledsa, they brought in Dirt Drags a couple of years ago, and like that's what events need is like something to do. Yeah. It's very inclusive. It's free. Anybody can go and blow your bike down. I wish the- you could have been at the Kickstart competition. That's what you need to do. That's you well, need to do a Kickstart bike so that next year when I'm here, you can right. come down and compete at the Outlaw Square. Well, I may or may not be, and so the bike I'm thinking about building. It's gonna be real shitty for a Kickstarter competition. That's that's uh, the one, and it might end up with a broken ankle after after the Kickstarter competition. That but like, correct. Yeah, so yeah, that's a good. Yeah, I I have one in the chamber for maybe the Kickstarter competition. But that's the only reason I am emceeing events, is because I got an opportunity, and I was like, I want to do a Kickstarter competition there. Well, when you yeah. say that, that means. The, like you're gonna run a microphone, and that means, yeah. hey, we want you to run the microphone for right. the whole thing, which is fine. But I love that, you know, like just doing yeah. something, just like the drags, like just like let's not just hang out and stare at these motorcycles. Yeah. And the dirt drags are great. And again, like, like uh, tonight, I'm gonna go out to the Baker drags at the you drag show. Yeah. yeah. So like, a, well, another video that we did, I did a whole series of videos. So we bike I call Fat Billy. Mm-hmm. Um, that complete build video came out over a year ago, but we did a whole series. It's a it's a 2019 um, Fat Bob Milwaukee 8, and it's 131 inches. Uh, oh, it's 131 in there? Yeah. It makes 150 horsepower and 150 foot-pounds of torque. But, <laughs> and there are guys out there that have built much more gnarly M8s. But the cool thing about this is, like, if you follow the build series, I think it's an eight-part series. I did a video on how to completely tear apart a Milwaukee So wouldn't it 131 crate motor? This is no, a- no, 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 no. This is started with a stock. Well, it was a 114, which doesn't matter because I gutted it. Yeah. But I did a video on how to disassemble a Milwaukee 8. Like, I mean, split cases down to nothing. And then the next video I did was a flywheel and rods video. So I used an SNS 131 kit. So the next video is how to assemble the bottom end. With, wow. It doesn't have to be a stroker crank, but this one yeah. obviously is. Then the next video was the big bore video. We did a video on cam chest, you know, oil pump. It, this were gear drive cams in this one. Oil pump, plate, gear drives. Did a video on cylinder heads. So the cylinder heads we used on this video are just off-the-shelf Screaming Eagle cylinder heads, mm-hmm. which is a pretty good head for the money, to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah. If you want to go with, like, a, you have, like, Rick Ward, like, yeah, ported heads, things. there's some real hot rod shit out there. But I wanted to keep this complete, like, bolt together. So it's Screaming Eagle heads that I swapped out valve springs in because I used a big-ass cam. Um, <laughs> 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 uh, and then, it's a, again, I could have went with, like, a... There's bitchin' HPI up to 70-some millimeter throttle bodies out there. This is an off-the-shelf 64-millimeter Harley throttle body, and that's the build. I mean, we did a, oh, and then I, did a, I did a primary video. So we, uh, we upgraded the clutch, uh, oh, yeah. comp sprocket, converted it to a chain. But there's literally a video. There's an eight-part eight series on JMP on you could build this in your garage with basically, I think the only kind of special tool you'll need is like, there's a couple of special tools for the cam chest and one to press the bearing into the case. You got to change out the bearing, but I mean, I do it on That's a. That's it. Yeah, I do it on a hundred dollar Harbor Fresh plate. I mean, you're sitting in here. You see the shop. There's, yeah. I do have some welders. Yeah. But like, I don't. I mean, this is. There are dudes with personal garages. Speaking of which, we I got something that needs welded. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you put a Baker transmission in it? I did not. Are you going to go blow up the transmission tomorrow so that you can? Put that may Baker be in? what happens. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that may be what happens. Uh, I have ran it once on the direction, but it runs pretty good. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's a 131. It's a SNS 131. I had it on speed dyno. Literally made 150, 150. Nice. You can see it on on the video. I think it actually made like 148 and change, but the bike had about 100 miles on there. Wow. So when it loosened up, it bumped over 150. Yeah. So um, it annihilates tires. It's, yeah. 
But yeah, that's so Fat Billy is a. Where is it at? It's just like it's very innocuous. It's sitting right there oh. next to the lift, that that black and gray bike. It's a good looking bike. And we kept it. It's very <laughs> sleeper looking. I know it still has. We bought it with forward controls on it, and I didn't put mids on it. I'm not gonna put mids on it. It doesn't. It just looks like somebody's kind of. When you start it, it's kind of a giveaway. Yeah. Uh, it sounds kind of gnarly, but it's got Thunder Max on it. So, do you, when you do these videos, have you done any riding videos? Like, is that a? Are they all in here? No, like on the build videos, there's riding footage we have, and there's like B-roll stuff okay, like yeah. that. Um, I don't really do like. What do you mean by riding videos? I mean, I was just wondering if, if filming happens outside this place. Oh yes, yeah, hundred percent. Yep. So yeah. if you, uh, the Gold Digger video uh, is a good example. So like. The storyline with the Gold Digger video is that like what people consider the ultimate Sturgis chopper. So when you think about Sturgis and a chopper, most people <laughs> think of like, oh, it's Main Street, right? I'm cruising or I'm cruising to the campground. I'm at the Buffalo Chip, looking cool in my chopper. Yeah. But if you take most people think of Sturgis as the rally. If you think of Sturgis as the whole, what what locals do, like myself, is when the rally's not here, I'm in the woods. So like. That's how we set up. What is the ultimate Sturgis Chopper? And also, like, I like the Gold Digger because, I mean, that's why people were here to begin with. Yeah, that is the whole play on words there. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, great. So, like, we build this chopper to go ride trails with, which is a terrible idea. Um, yeah. <laughs> and as you've, you've, you've experienced this, it's yeah. not a good idea. <laughs> uh, so let's so the, we set that up, and then I take you through the specifics of the build, of, of exactly what what I did with it, and then we go ride it in the trails at the end. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, luckily so, you know the trails. Yeah, well, You didn't yeah. probably have to go do... We didn't have to, yeah, it's not hard to find one here, that's for that sure. take it up that fucking rocky thing uh, out no. of behind no, but I was, Creek. No, but I was fully expecting to break something. Didn't break anything. Didn't break anything. Yeah, and... That's a let's let frame, huh? Let's let frame, let's let invaders. Yep, and that's the motor out of my old hooligan bike. It's a 97 Sportster. Oh, it is? That's out of the yeah, hooligan bike? that's out of my hooligan bike because it was tired. Yeah, what iteration is this? Oh, I don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> but I put, I put a, so I put a fresh 1200 kit in it, fueling 505, 515 cams, a bolt-in cam, twin-tech ignition, SNS Super E. Again, very straightforward Crazy. Sportster motor. I mean, that's a pretty bulletproof combination. What's the tank from? The tank is uh, just off the JMP website. It's I think it's okay. like a V. I think, I think they call it a V twin X. That fender. The fender, the rear fender is a front fender from Indian Scout. Really? Yeah, so I did an Indian Scout build in 2018 for a giveaway bike for the chip. Uh -huh. And we put, uh, I, put a, I put a 21 on the front. So I put a, I think I used a Clockworks fender at the time for the 21. So I had that front fender. And I just liked the way it looked. Yeah, it's And cool. so I just have been hanging on to it. I tend to UCI hoard parts. And, uh, the cool ones. Yeah, so like, I was like, man, I always liked the way that looked. It always looked like a rear fender to me. Yeah. And I tried to use it on a couple other builds. It just didn't work. And this one, I'm like, that works perfect. Yeah. So I trimmed it up a little bit. You know, bolted it to the to the bike, and that's so the rear fender is the front fender off of an Indian Scout. Nice. Yeah, and then there's no, there's obviously no front fender. I uh, shaved the shaved the legs on the on the front end, which again, I don't have. You see, there's no lathe in here. Mm -hmm. um, you can't you can't do that with a grinder if you, you know, take your time. Yeah. Uh, so then uh, it's got black uh, custom cycle engineering DCL, DLC coated tubes. Dropped a Legend Axio kit in there because why not have good suspension on the front if you don't have any at all on the rear? <laughs> of course, no front I brake. I yeah. balance the trip. The yeah, suspension. yeah, yeah. So it's uh, no the rear <laughs> suspension turns out it's real shitty. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a very simple, super simple build, man. I I enjoy it. Let's you know again. That's the great thing about a sportsters and 
Lead sled, as far as like that kit, I mean, you do need a welder. Yeah. But you don't need to be super fab guy to make that work. It's the battery box is built for you. The oil tank's built for you. I mean, yeah, so you got that whole kit that he has. Yeah, it's a frame kit, and you know, it's shameless plug. You can get the same. You can get that kit on our on the JP website. Um, yeah, you have to weld your motor mount where you want it. You know what I mean? Um, the other weld, you have to weld your rear brake tab on, and then the honestly, like the hardest thing is just, and they send like the fender struts and the bungs. You just have to weld them where you want. Yeah. So when you do that, they're not like, they, they tip in, you know, they're at an angle. So you just have to make sure you, when you mock everything up, it's Straight. copacetic. Actually, when I look at choppers, that's the rear section is how I tell if somebody, you know. Yeah. You can tell a lot <laughs> from that, you know, like how those struts or sissy yeah. bar or fender like yeah, everything straight. Fucking works with the brake. Yeah, it's just it drives me up the wall when I'm building something. I got it's got to be as extreme. Don't look at mine. Yeah, I you know I this is I don't have a frame jig or anything. I literally get a center mark on my neck and run a string mm-hmm. from up there down the backbone, slide my wheel and axle in there with no spacers, center that up, and then start working off that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and if the frame kit and wheels are built right, which theirs are, mm-hmm. then like everything kind of tends to line up and then you just cut your spacers to keep that wheel in the middle. The brake hangs where it needs to break, you know, you move it over. Yeah, yeah so. Have you uh, been doing anything with the, the, the what is it, the RevZilla guys? I know that you said you'd like been I do. more active on their channels. And yeah, I've done probably nine or 10 install videos over there. Okay. Uh, we called that series On The Lift and I did everything from like, you know, sport bike exhaust to rear sets to adventure stuff. So like there's a bunch of installs of those and then uh, they do a series, so uh, Ari and Zach, Zach Quartz, Ari Henning, and Spencer, uh, they, you know, they're they're on the Revzilla channel. A long, they've been together a long time, back with Motorcyclist when they worked for Bonnier, and those guys absolutely crush. I mean, their videos are just massive. They did the video where they, they replicated, the one, probably their biggest one, they replicated the Dumb and Dumber oh, yeah. uh, mini bike, and they actually that. rode that route, and that yeah. video went crazy. They, they actually... Uh, the the people from that movie, um, Jeff Bridges and uh, Jim Carrey, like called them, like they had, they were on a video chat with them because they seen the come on yeah yeah they called come them on. yeah they called them after they seen it did it they was, videotape that th- I think they did and it, it, the funny part about that is they were telling us so it was like I think I might be a little wrong here but like I think it was the director and then Jeff Bridges and Jim Carrey and they were all on a Zoom call together just a couple years ago and so Jim Carrey's Zoom thing was he wasn't in it. It was on, but he wasn't in it. And apparently, over the course of like five minutes, he slowly rose into frame. Oh my God. Wow, they were talking, like everybody was there but oh him. And then you just God. seen the top of his head and he slowly came into, over the course of minutes on their, on their the like, This is like, yeah, so I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, just, just a bit. Just had to do a bit, yeah. so. But anyways, I did, um, I, I was out with those guys with uh, uh, Spurgeon, Dunbar, who's the, the main host on Revzilla, and Jen Dunstan, we all went to California in the spring and shot a Best Beginner Bikes episode uh, with their series, their main series, CTXP. So basically they had, they had five beginner bikes, and they set up a series of tests for us, right? And you got scored on the test. We picked, we picked the bikes out of the hat. And so oh, I... Man, they didn't just say... We, we, didn't even, we didn't even know what we, the bikes were. They wouldn't tell us. Really? I didn't know what the bikes were. I didn't, even up to the days we were so filming. So who produces these videos? Uh, Revzilla does. Yeah. Well, like, the per- like, who comes up with this idea and writes this up? 
Uh, generally, you know, it's the guys out in the, so it's uh, Spencer and Zach and Ari. Okay, those are the guys. Those are the guys. Like, they, this is very much their deal. They, okay. this, yeah, and they come up with some really good stuff. Yeah. And so, um, Spencer Robert, I keep leaving his last name out. Spencer Robert, Ari Henning, and Zach Quartz. Okay. So they come up with this. Spencer's the producer. Like, he's, he's you know, the genius that kind of, like, herds us as the cats. Okay. Um, so we didn't know, I, we didn't, even up to the day, we didn't know the tasks, the, like, the, the test we were going to be mm-hmm. doing. So I um, pulled a Ninja 400, which when all the bikes there, I was like, I would, I used to drag race sport bikes back in the day, so I'm very familiar. So we were at a, the Fulbob Airport shooting, actually. It was a really cool little airport. 400 cc. 400 cc sport bike. And so there was a. Uh, uh, Jen had the little uh, Royal Enfield, the 300, yeah. little cruiser. She pulled that. Um, Aerie had a 310 GS, which I thought was a great bike. And he, those guys are phenomenal riders. And then Spurgeon had uh, a CRF 300. So like the little 300 dirt bike. The little, yeah, I got one in my shop right now. Yeah. And then Zach had a Sondor's electric bike. <laughs> we all pulled them like randomly. So the first test was were like... There, were those the only bikes in the hats? or was That was like, the only bikes in the hats. There was okay, five. Okay. And they tried to pick them across the spectrum. You it's know? sort of funny if there's like 10 options. Yeah. So they tried to pick them across a spe- spectrum of different types of bikes. So yeah, like, the first one was like, I can't believe there's no Sportster in there though. Right. They knew well, it would have won, right? Yeah, it would have won. <laughs> it was, there was a price limit. I think it had to be under five grand. Uh, New. That was the that's so a like, real beginner bike. Yeah. So the first thing was like, oh no, you've dropped your bike. You have to pick it up. And so we had to stand on scales because you, you know when you pick up a bike, it's not necessarily how much the bike weighs. How hard, like different weight distributions. We literally had to stand on scales. That's a great test. As and well. like pick up our bike to see which one was like the heaviest. Yeah, was that like a ratio to the actual weight of the bike, or was it just? No, I way? think it was just like strictly like how much force. Because we would stand on the scale and they would yeah. zero out our body weight, mm-hmm. and then we would pick the bike up, and it was like how much basically like weight you were actually picking up. Because some bikes, like that dirt bikes, were really easy to pick up. But like honestly, the the, the Ninja was difficult to pick up because it's hard to grab and like yeah. the weight's so compact. And then like, so we got scored on that and it was like, well, how much do the parts cost? So like a Beamer lever was like ridiculous amount. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, so like, a, Honda, a Honda brake lever is like a lot cheaper to replace mm-hmm. than like a Beamer. So that was a score. And then, um, then we drag raced, which at that point, I'm the heaviest of the group, but I also have that Ninja 400 and like, I've been around the block on a sport bike in a drag strip before. Yeah. So that was kind of not fair. So uh, I won that. So that put me, you know, I got a lot of points for that. And then we did things like oil change, who could change oil the fastest, which again, changed a fair amount of oil. So the Sondors, <laughs> the Son- I-, I knew my main, my main competition might be Aerie because he's also, you know, pretty handy wrench. And, yeah. But the Sondors won because it was electric. He didn't have to change oil. So oh. he won. <laughs> yeah. So I got second in that. And then the fun part was we spent two days at a go-kart track, basically, or it was like a drift track. Um, and they set up what's called a super test. So we, it was a Le Mans-style start. We all started off the bike. You had to run to your bike and get on. And then you took off, and you did a lap on the road course. And you turned off, like went through the pits, and they set up like an urban course with all these cones and things like that, like a cop-style yeah. test. You had to stop and grab a letter off this table, put the letter in your jacket. Then you rode through the desert in an off-road course. And then you hit like a straight, straight stretch of highway to go down to the mailbox. Oh my gosh. Put your letter in the mailbox and then come <clears> back through that, back down the highway again, 
back through a little off-road course, back onto the road race course, and that was the finish line. That's great. Double points. So. Uh, double points. Double points. We were all getting points. Whoever had the most points is who wins. Yeah. So I never been on a road race track in my life. Zach and Ari are phenomenal. I got a pretty good start. I was in third going into like the last straightaway. I took a wrong turn, turned off the track in the wrong spot, puts me in last place. Okay. So I chased everybody through the off-road course. There's a pretty bitchin' shot of me jumping a Ninja 400 in the desert. Nice. Uh, definitely got that thing airborne. Yeah. And good shot of that. We get to, so I'm, I got pulled up pretty close to him. And I knew once we hit the straightaway spot, I passed I think everybody but one person. Spurge might have been in front of me still, I don't remember. Put my letter in the mailbox, turned around, passed one more person. I had Ari Henning was still in front of me, just flying on the GS. But I, I knew if I didn't get him by the off-road course, I wasn't gonna get him. And so I passed him, get to the off-road course, and I finished second and won the competition by one point. Nice. So it was a riot. Those guys are amazing to work with. Great yeah. concept, we had a riot. That video is, I think that video has like 550,000 views. Nice. And um, it's, a, it's, it's a 40 minute video, but it's fun. Like, wow. Yeah. We had a great time. It's a great concept. And it really does like give people a pretty good idea of like what type of bike can do what. Obviously, yeah. you don't really want to be jumping Ninja 400s in the desert. No, but if you need to. Yeah, it can be done. Yeah. It jumps great, lands like shit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Does it have like rear sets on it? Yeah, well, yeah, it's a straight up 100%. Actually, it's a really great bike, and it's, I mean, it's pretty, I think they make like 45 horsepower. It's fast, light. No shit. Yeah. Wow. And they've done, if you, uh, Zach does what's called daily rider videos where he does like, you know, um, basically reviews of, of bikes, and he did a daily rider on that. I think they came out with like a real sporty version of it, like an RR version. It's pretty hot rod. I think he's done one of those too. Nice. Yeah, so I that, I do work with those guys a fair amount. It's, it, it's Are they at the rally? No, nope. Uh, they do come to get on Adventure Fest. They don't go to Sturgis, huh? No, I think they leave that to me. <laughs> <laughs> so what have what have you had? Do you had anything going on for this rally? Did you build any bikes for any certain events, like the giveaway you were talking about earlier? No, like we just built. Uh, we kind of kept the Gold Digger video. I finished it in the first week in July. We shot the video and then just didn't put it out until rally. And then I knew I was gonna take it to the lead sled so, so show. So it's been in the, sh in the store and at lead sled. So I kind of built that bike for rally. Yeah. But other than that, no, I didn't do anything. I've just how, been out and around. How's the video thing been going without your video guy? It's different. Yeah. It's different. Yeah, so uh, the Philly guys, I have to I shoot with them now, which uh, Chase was my producer anyway, but he just normally brings a cameraman with him. So we they flew out here to shoot the Gold Digger video. Okay. And then I'll go to Philly couple times a year now to do like our product page videos and stuff like that they have a studio there Perfect. and I'll shoot stuff there or they'll come out here so it yeah it's it's different you know the landscape you know the motorcycle industry man it changes all the time yeah well the numbers haven't been great for anybody you know in the last like six eight months no I mean I mean I, I don't even think it's that's not even just the motorcycle industry right no that's true that's everything yeah and motorcycles you're gonna I mean this is a debatable point but nobody needs air quotes a motorcycle that I can definitely debate that yeah <laughs> so when people are, people people when people are making purchases yeah. you know I'm you know Harley sales are down I think you know all the OEM sales are down after being on fire during the COVID years right yeah. like everybody got a couple extra checks then went out and bought a motorcycle thank you for doing that yeah um, but places like JMP 
you know, you need to keep a motorcycle running. You need, you need brake bands, you need tires, you need oil, oil filters, stuff like that. Where, where you maybe there aren't, you know, full exhaust systems flying off the shelves right now. The, we Obviously, we still keep the basics. And, you know, John Parham, our founder, said it best when he, you know, our tagline at JP for the last 40 plus years is keeping the world on two wheels. And that's what I always keep in mind. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's cool, uh, you know, seeing that guy yesterday from the Butler gang. You know, thank you for a video that you put out. Oh yeah, I, you know what? I, it's it's every year I get more and more of that. Guys coming up to me saying, "Hey, I watch your videos," which I, I love. And out of all the videos we make, you know, I, I love building motorcycles and I love making those videos. The most important ones are our install videos. Yeah. To me, anyway, because one, I'm not a fucking rocket science. You know me. I'm not a rocket scientist. I'm not the smartest guy in the world. So if I can do it, I guarantee somebody else can do it. <laughs> um, and I I try to you know. We all, I always try to do the videos with like the most basic of hand tools. Yeah. You, you probably never seen me using even like a electric impact or anything. Um, I just really? most people are gonna you know they're not shops they're gonna use you know wrenches and ratchets and stuff like that. Yeah. So I don't use I just try to do it like a guy would do it in a shop and you'd be surprised what you can do in your own garage. Like you could build that Milwaukee 8 engine. Like I said, a couple of specialty tools. Even if you got it, if you don't have a press, you know, if you go down to like a muffler shop or something like that, most of the time you're like, hey, I, you got a press, you can press this bearing in, you yeah. know what I mean? Most of the time you get it done. Yeah. So yeah, I think those are the most important, and not just because that helps us sell parts, right? Like if we sell a part to somebody, I want them to be able to put it in. I don't want to sell them a part and have to, you know, go pay somebody to put it in, because it can be yeah. done in your garage. The shops are less likely to help you out when you buy oh, a part. Oh, fuck yeah. That's, if I was, <laughs> if I owned a shop, I'd be like, get the fuck out yeah, of here. You just yeah. brought your yeah. dream in? Yeah. Uh -huh. I mean, I, mean it, I feel bad when I bring tires to a shop. Yeah, yeah, you I know? can totally get it. But I mean, it, it, you know, and also if you're going to travel on your motorcycle, it's a very good thing to know how to work on your own bike. Yeah, absolutely. at least the basics. You know, and absolutely. I think people are way more capable than what they, you know, they think. Who was I talking about this the other day? It's like the old. You know, the old manual in a car when you get your user's manual, mm -hmm. it used to tell you how to do things you know, like real mechanical things. Yeah. It used to tell you how to like, you know, set timing or whatever, do the service on your, the service animals on your yeah, vehicle. Pull the ball joints out. Yeah, tell you how to do suspension stuff. Now it tells you not to drink the battery fluid. <laughs> yeah, and then the other stuff is like behind a paywall. Yeah. If you really want that stuff, Yeah. you have to like go to school and work for a place. Yes. That will give you that information. Exactly. It's fucking crazy. So, I mean, people should be able to not only upgrade their motorcycle, I mean, you, you, everybody out there listening has a motorcycle. If you have a set of hand tools, you can put an intake and exhaust on your bike. Yep. Guarantee it. Mm -hmm. you, you can do it. Just take your time, watch a video. I've done a video on just about every type of Harley exhaust on every, every Harley Are model. you guys just waiting on there to be more parts before you convince them to get you a Pan America or what? Um, I mean, you guys can't be selling that many. There's not like... N yeah, there's not as many parts, let's say, as for like a Street Glider or Dyna. But it's been partly that and partly just availability of what we get our hands on. But I do have a line on a couple of Pan Americas, I think. Um, yeah, you do. Yeah. You so, do. right. So you it's do. just a matter of me getting my hands on a motorcycle to, to use. But yeah. Do you see them doing, like, is, is S&S going to do some stuff for the motor? You're like, I, That's a tough one. I, yeah. You know, it comes down, we, I've talked about this with a lot of bikes. It comes down to A, unit sales of bikes, right? Yeah. That's kind of the most important thing. So if, if I'm a manufacturer like S&S &S and I'm going to make a set of camps, well, an M8 motor is in how many Harley models? 
all of them, except for Pan American Sportsters, right? Yeah. And then we know Harley's going to make that motor for 10, 12 years. Mm -hmm. So the company's got to pay to tool up to put the investment into making a cam. They're going to do it for those things at least first. Yeah. You know what I mean? But as as more Pan Americas are out there and more of them being made, yeah, you're going to see you're going to see more parts for them for sure. I don't know. I mean, here's the other thing. Let's face it, Harley Motors in general, air-cooled pushrod, tractor-ass motor, they're not selling those things on the spec sheet. They suck. <laughs> this is what, which is why you put a cam in it. Pan America works pretty good. Yeah, that's kind of <laughs> I'm like, what would so, you do? Right, so I don't know if you're going to see like <coughs> hardcore engine parts like that. Yeah. I think you see stuff with like, you know, with like the KTMs, uh, the performance places for them, it's like uh, smog delete things, like billet covers to delete smog stuff. And like they find weak points and like shifter and it's like shifter arms that aren't gonna break yeah. and like the relocating. Like, you know, protecting the, the uh, yeah. brake reservoir. Yeah, exactly. Like I had a, you know, one of those places. Last day of Adventure Fest, I got stuck 40 miles out. Brady had to get me. I had a rock come up and hit the bottom of my kickstand switch and shatter. Oh no. And it's not, you can't just wire it together. It's no. a three wire deal that works off of a magnet. So like I didn't know this, but there's a company that makes a relocation thing for it that moves it up, puts a little metal cover over it, so that doesn't happen. Yeah. Well, now I've just deleted mine. There's a so is that just like a DOT thing? No, I think I think that's just a. I don't think you have to have a kickstand switch by DOT. I could be wrong. I just think that's a thing that companies do to so people don't uh, go around a corner and really. The, I could be wrong. It could be a regulation, but I mean, there's no kickstand switch on a Harley, is there? I don't think there's a yeah. kick. No, I, I can start that that soft tail over there and it'll fire right up on kickstand. So I don't yeah, think it's. Can you take off the first gear? I think so. I know, I never tried it. And you can't in <laughs> America. Yeah, so I, I think it just might be a safety thing so people don't go around the corner with the kickstand down. In, anyways, mine does no longer has that feature. Uh, yeah, fix, that fix that. Yeah. But I think you'll see parts like that, right? Like, yeah. obviously, with the adventure bikes, protection is big. Yep. You know, crash guards, skid plates, things like that. But also, people need to know how to do that because, I mean, I've, in fact, we did a video for Revzilla putting um, crash guards, engine guards, on a, a Tiger 900. Okay. And it's a little weird. It's not as like straightforward as you would think. Really? Uh, you know, with spacers and things like that and taking bolts out. I think, actually, on that, on that bike, I think you have to take one of the motor mounts out of each side Whoa. to do that, which seems, it sounds like a bigger deal than what it is. Well, some company makes like a weld-on crash bar, no, it bolts on mm. to the Pan America. I'm sure, but like, so that's the videos I would concentrate on first and yeah. things like that. You know, that Pan American motor is pretty good. Uh, unless, unless there was like a serious flaw in it, I don't see people probably uh, popping off. What about like the computer side of things? That's where things are getting tricky, man, for companies to tackle because there's so much regulation and so much uh, possible fines from, from, yeah, with CARB and EPA stuff, like companies can get in, in big trouble. In fact, well, they've been fined. I mean, like, Dino Debt's been fined millions of dollars, Vance and Hines has been fined. Like, really? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's why they're real touchy-feely on, on doing tuning stuff now. I, I know the car companies, like if you build, you know, like Holly, right? Like if you want to build like a turbo LS, mm -hmm. you know, if you want to take a, an LS-based, build an LS-based hot rod, make a thousand horsepower with a turbo, Holly has some real rad, completely one-off, you know, 
basically emissions-free tuning software. I think you'll see the motorcycle industry kind of catch up with that. But right now... Well, how do they get away with that? By saying it's for... Probably some sort of race-only deal, or if it's like... Yeah, but I mean, with all the companies that have been fined over the years on the, on the motorcycle side, the tuners that come out right now are very restrictive because nobody wants to be on the hook for getting a California Air and Resources Board fine. Yeah. So that's gonna that's another touchy-feely thing that like, you know, every every bike now is a catalytic converter, you know? <coughs> yeah. And you technically, by the letter of the law, if you say if a Vance and Hines makes a pipe that is doesn't have a catalytic converter in it mm -hmm. for street use and sells it to somebody with a California address, they get a big old whopping fine. Really? Yeah. So was there any computer to manipulate on this M8? I took it off and replaced it with a okay. Thundermax. <laughs> yeah, no, you try to run yeah. that bike with a stock tune in it, it would last about 10 minutes and burn holes in the piston. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, it'd be interesting to see what they do for, like, the Pan America having the suspension. I mean, let's, okay, let's talk maybe... Not Harley Davidson specifically, but like KTM. Are there companies that fuck with the electronics on yes. those things? Yeah. There are. There are, yep. And same thing with dirt bikes, right? Like, I mean, I'm blanking on it. There's a couple, a couple ECM swap companies out there where you can get like adjustable ECMs and basically you just unplug your stock one, plug theirs yeah, in, yeah. and then you get the ability to tune them. Do those companies, the manufacturers, do they make that easy for these other companies? Or no, they, they make it as hard as possible. They do? Yep. Okay. I mean, because it, it, it does, it could create dealer issues, right? Like dudes doing wacky stuff to their ECMs and bringing them back to the dealer. And, hey, my bike's broke. Yeah. You know what I mean? The, they don't want to get covered under warranty. They don't want their bikes messed mm -hmm. with. I mean, so yeah, I, the OEMs do not make it easy. Does the KTM hook up to your phone? Mine? Yeah. It does for certain things, yes. Like... There's like ride features, like ride tracking features and stuff like that. But everything that's like, so I have the Not like mapping or anything. N well, no, I don't have to do that. It's all done on the dash. So my bike has. Uh, I bought like the I can't remember the name of the package. It's like a rally package. Um, this is a touchy feely. So BMW did this with cars. Now KTM's doing it. When I bought mine, it's an option, right? This is the tricky part. Like all this stuff is already on the bike, but you have to pay. I think it's around a thousand bucks. I can't remember. And so like. It unlocks. No way. Yeah, it unlocks. So all of a no sudden, way. they hook it up to their computer, and like now my quick shifter works, where I didn't have a quick shifter before. No and I have all these extra way. modes, like my rally mode. Rally mode is bitching on that bike. So I have different, also, in like and I can. You paid extra. You have to pay extra right up front. It gets weirder, I'll tell you in a second. <laughs> so, like, I, I can turn the ABS off on the rear tire and leave it on the front tire, which is great. Did it pay for that? Yes. And then. Um, there's a rally mode, which puts all the power. Dude, it's, it's like night and day difference. Like I have a street mode, an off-road mode, a rally mode. Rally mode makes the bike super luggy. Like basically. Not sure exactly what happened there, but we lost, we lost audio. Yeah, the block party was fucking sick. I can't believe it took me so long to go to that. Um, you know, I'm going back. I don't know what kind of form that party is gonna take on between now and next year, because I know it's not gonna be the same. Uh, but I don't care. I'll be there. I'll be there. And, uh, man, Patrick, I, I listened to the beginning of this and it reminded me of a 
our conversation. And, dude, I fucking love it. Love it. You guys have a wonderful day. Go to mcshoptees.com, dangerdancetalkshop.com. Oh, knives made by Nick. Dude, Nick is, you know, I don't know how I wait till the end of the show to tell you guys how amazing Nick is. If you're listening to the end of the show, you fucking know how amazing Nick is. But I got a new knife while I was in Brooklyn. I was told by multiple people, don't bring your knife into the city or at least keep it hidden because they will fucking take it and find you money and blah, blah, blah. Well, Nick fucking brought my knife into the city and it's bad as fuck. And I'm wearing it right now. This, I've had it on since I woke up this morning. So go check him out. Knives made by Nick.com. <laughs>